Well, this morning on this Monday, I'm happy to introduce to you our speaker, Brian Schulenberg. Um, Brian and I um, have known each other for about 12 years, I suppose. We've been ministry colleagues. He's been my supervisor um, in a past uh, vocational iteration. But, but Pastor Brian, um, he's been a pastor for the past 30 years, serving as a youth pastor, a senior pastor, and a discipleship pastor. Um, he currently serves as the outreach pastor and the director of the Family Resource Initiative at Wooddale Church in Eden Prairie. He is also the author of several books and a licensed realtor in the state of Minnesota, leading a team of seven agents. Uh, Brian's been married to uh, Cindy for over 30 years, and the Schulenbergs are parents of four adult children and grandparents to three, which is beautiful. Um, So would you help me welcome to the stage this morning, uh, Pastor Brian Schulenberg. Well, guys, it is, uh, it is an honor for me to be here with you today. Thanks for letting me come. Uh, Darren Geyer, I love this guy. You are so blessed by the man who is leading your chapels. We got to work together for about six years, and I will say that Darren, by far, is one of the favorite people that I've ever worked with in my life. He is the real deal. He loves Jesus, and he loves you. And I, uh, I love coming to Northwestern. This is a special place for me. I want to show you a picture of my family. Uh, we're going to put that on the screen. I have uh, uh, four kids. I have two uh, kids by marriage, and, uh, and we said we have three grandkids. So this picture was taken uh, on Mother's Day a couple years ago, and it was uh, so fun to be with all my family. This was like a traumatic picture for us, though, because in the next week, we would have, uh, let's go back to that other one really quick. In the next week, my daughter, who uh, is next to my wife there, would move to Ohio and take our only grandchild at the time with her to Ohio. My son on the far left would move to Florida because he graduated from college in Florida and took a job there. And my son on the far right would take a job in South Carolina. And, uh, and so my, and my heart was just kind of breaking that summer. So we're like taking this picture, pretending to be really, really happy. But God is so, so good. On that picture as well, the guy to my right, and uh, his wife, that's my son, Chris. Chris graduated from the University of Northwestern. He, uh, he loves this place. We love this place. His wife, Samantha, he met her his freshman year on the track and field team. Any track and field athletes here, all right? So there's romance that can happen on the track and field team at the University of Northwestern. These two met there and fell in love. And uh, if you go to the next slide, we... Uh, we have uh, uh, some grandkids, and you saw kind of the picture of my uh, wife and me with two of them. Go ahead, hit that next, next slide if we can get the, yeah, there we go. So uh, little Radley, that baby in that picture has grown up. He's two now, and he had a little sister in August, and uh, so we had a chance to visit them in Ohio. And then Chris and Sam, the romance from the University of Northwestern, check this out. Little Lainey is the next picture, and uh, yeah, she is, uh, that's what a Northwestern baby looks like, all right? And so if you fall in love with somebody here and you have children, they look as beautiful as little Lady May, who I think now is about 110 days old. And so we love being grandparents. We love the University of Northwestern. By the way, my son... Um, was a business major here. Any business majors here? Uh, he was a marketing major, actually, but uh, in the business department. And uh, he started uh, with a friend of his, an insurance company in town, and they have eight people who work for them. And guess where all eight of them went to college? The University of Northwestern, all right? So that has got to be like the best insurance company in the world because they're all UNW grads. Hey, uh, you have been studying uh, all year long in chapels the witness of God. 
And I just want to say, like, when I was up there worshiping with Darren and all of you just a few minutes ago, ladies, amazing job taking us into the presence of God. Like, amazing, beautiful, beautiful. You could lead at any church in America, and uh, they'd be blessed. Uh, to listen to you all sing was beautiful. See, I, I, I'm part of a generation that I, I feel like I'm in the sandwich generation. I still have parents and I have children and I have grandchildren. And I actually have a grandchild that is older than my dad's grandchild. Figure that out, okay? So that's right. I have a sister who had a child. It's, it's wild. But there is a generation that believes that like we are living in the worst days ever. Like the world's getting terrible. We've come out of COVID. Life is hard. And oh, we feel so bad for this next generation. And what are they going to do? And there's like a generation that's forgetting about God. And I want to say, you just haven't met the students at the University of Northwestern. You don't know the young adults that I know. I believe in every generation, God has a remnant of people who are faithful to him. And as I worshiped with you today, and as I listened to you sing about the faithfulness of that same God who is the God of David and the same God of Moses and the same God of Mary, he is your God as well. And he loves you and he has placed you here for such a time as this. I'm so excited about what God is doing at the University of Northwestern. And I recognize, we prayed for you backstage before we began the services today. We said, you know, some of you today, you're coming into chapel and you've just had like the best weekend of your life. The teams that you want to play in the Super Bowl are playing in the Super Bowl and you're thrilled about that. You, uh, you're excited about uh, going to uh, Nick at night and it's gonna be a great week. You, uh, you have somebody that maybe you asked out on a date last weekend. They miraculously said yes and it went well and there's gonna be a second date this weekend. And it has been an amazing week for you. And for others of you, if you're honest, you're coming into chapel today and you're just pleading, God, would you meet me here? Like that same God that we just sung about, you're saying, God, if it's possible, if it's possible for you to meet me here today in my brokenness and my woundedness because of the news that I received last week or the stresses that I'm under this week, you're wondering, God, are you even there? And my prayer today is that all of you, whether it's worst week of your life or best week of your life, will experience the witness of God today. I wanna tell you a story. I went to college in the state of Virginia and I grew up in the Chicago area. And so for me, rebellion was going to Liberty University. All right? If you know anything about Liberty, it is a legalistic college, all right? So that was my, that was my rebellion. It was, uh, I was gonna go away from Chicago and I was gonna go to Liberty. I was an accounting major and I was gonna spend my life in an accounting office and I knew that that's what, what, what I was gonna do. Uh, I am an introvert. Speaking on stage to this many people freaks me out. It has my entire life, all right? This is not who I am naturally in my life. And I remember going to college that first day of college and my mother, who was an overprotective mother, being like, oh, Brian, I'm so sad. I don't want to leave you. And it was like my 18th birthday. I'm like, mom, you got to leave me and you got to leave me quick because there are girls that are looking at me right now and I'm embarrassed, all right? So I leave my mom and I'm like running to my first class. It was one of those Monday, Wednesday, Friday classes that meets at 8 a.m., which like should not ever happen, but that was my first class. And I remember getting to that class and I'm running across the campus to get to this class and I open up the doors to the class. It's like 8.03. I'm late and it's first day of college for all these freshmen in an introduction to psychology class and the place is full and there's not a seat available except for like right here in the front row. And, um, but at least the professor hadn't made it yet. Every eye kind of turns on the late guy who's coming in. And again, I'm an introvert. I'm a little bit shy and, uh, and I was embarrassed that all eyes were on me that day. 
About a minute later, uh, another guy walks into the class. He would go on to play in the NFL for the Denver Broncos. He was huge, all right? He was a, the biggest man-child of a boy I'd ever seen in my life, all right? He walks into the room, and he's like, yeah, what's up, my peeps? How you doing? Freshman year, let's go, let's go, let's go. And then he looks around at the girls, and he's like, mm-mm, mm-mm, you are fine, all right? That was, that was him. And there was only one seat left in the classroom, and it was right next to me, all right? And so Dwayne and I are sitting next to each other. We would become great friends over the years. But then, uh, you know, the, uh, the professor walks into the class about five minutes late, and he was this little kind of scrawny-looking man, and he walks in, and, and he had this high, squeaky voice, and he's like, class, welcome to Introduction to Psychology. I'm Professor Captain, and I will be your professor for the remainder of the semester. We're like, okay, great. And then he says, class, I want you to stand up. And when a guy walks in like that and has that freaky voice, you're just like, absolutely. So we all stood up. I mean, it's freshman year, first day of school. And he says, now, class, I want you to take your right arm and stick it out in front of you just like this. And so we all take our right arm and stick it in front of us. Now, Dwayne played football. And at our school, the football team didn't take a shower the week before their first game if you were a freshman. And so I about passed out. I love Dwayne. But Dwayne, that was, that was tough. And they said, now class, I want you to take your left arm and stick it in front of you too. And so now we're all standing like this. Like we're giving some kind of a priestly blessing. Bless you, my child, kind of thing. And then he says, now class, I want you to hug yourselves. And we're like, you hug yourself, you strange little self-love man. Like, I don't want to hug myself. But it was the first day of college and we're freshmen, and we're kind of freaked out. So now we got like 300 freshmen in this college lecture hall all hugging ourselves. And then he says, now, class, I want you to repeat after me. I am, and then he says, special. And we're like, yes, you are. You are very, very special. But we all mumbled it because it was the first day of college. We're trying not to like fail on day one. And we said, I'm special. And you know, that little weird professor would begin class the same way every day for the remainder of the semester. And he really believed it. Like he believed that there were 300 students who were sitting in front of him who had infinite worth and value. They were created in the image of God. That God had put them here for a purpose. And I'm not gonna be that weird guy and say it in that voice, but I'm gonna say it today, you are. You're incredibly special. God has put you here at one of the most strategic times in the history of the world. Guys, you are growing up in a time that is unlike uh, a generation. I have a son who's a senior in college, my son who took that job in South Carolina at a summer camp. And I was thinking about his life. And those of you who are seniors here, I know you can relate. Uh, he was born just before 9-11 in May of 2001. He never knew what it was like to grow up without that threat of terrorism. He didn't know what it was like to live in a pre-9-11 world. He's never known what it's like to grow up and not have a phone in his pocket, you know, for the most part, to not have the world accessible to him at his fingertips. He, he can find out information at lightning speed that I used to have to go to a library and check out an encyclopedia and get outdated information. Like, you guys live in an amazing time. Technology has made it possible for the gospel of Jesus Christ to be spread to the entire world. 
The only barriers that we have to that right now are technology for every, com every country and language uh, barriers that have made it inaccessible for some languages to have the gospel in their own language. But so many of the missions organizations that are working to translate God's word tells, tell us that that work will probably be completed in the next 20 years. This is an amazing time to live. We also have the world that has come to our doorsteps. You are at college. How many of you are from the Twin Cities? In fact, let me, I just wanna do a little stand-up sit down here. I wanna get to know my audience, all right? So if you grew up in the Twin Cities, would you stand up? If you're a Twin Cities native, if you grew up in the state of Minnesota or Wisconsin, would you keep stand up? Join this group that's standing up, okay? Wow, look at all the Packer and Viking fans in this room, all right. Have a seat, have a seat. All right, because I want to see the rest of you. If you grew up somewhere other than Minnesota or Wisconsin, would you stand up for me, okay? I want to see the rest of the people. All right, have a seat. Listen, do you realize how strategic it is that God has placed you in the Twin Cities? When I think about our country and I think about places that are ethnically diverse, before I moved to the Twin Cities, I was a Chicago kid. That's where I grew up. That feels like diversity to me. When I would think about Minnesota, I would think about Swedish people, Norwegian people, and people who told these silly little jokes about Swedish people and Norwegian people. Okay, I did not think about ethnic diversity. But just by being in the Twin Cities, you realize that you are just miles away from the most ethnically diverse neighborhood in the United States, in the Twin Cities. Like those of you, how many of you are like uh, cross-cultural studies or intercultural studies majors here? Or you're, you want to like, be a missionary, all right? It's funny, whenever I ask that question, the missionaries, they don't want to put their hand up, all right? Guys, you got to be able to do that if we're going to be missionaries, all right? Like, like, listen, we don't even have to go far. It's so easy in some ways to be somebody in the Twin Cities who wants to make a difference globally. Guys, God has put us in an area where we live amongst the most ethnically diverse city. And, and by the way, that is the Powderhorn Park, kind of Phillips neighborhood of Minneapolis and St. Paul. If you've ever been to the Midtown Global Market or you've been to the Somali Carmel Square Mall or you've been to that region of Minneapolis, you are in the neighborhood that is uh, between our neighborhood, a neighborhood in San Francisco, and a neighborhood in New York City that vie. 148 distinct nationalities that live within two miles of each other. God's put you in that generation. But I think our enemy has tried to dupe those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ and tried to tell us, you know what, there's nothing special about you. He's tried to tell you, uh, you know, if, if there's something special about you, there's something special about everybody, and so therefore, there's nothing special about you. But the Bible tells us something completely different. When I read about the God of Jacob and Moses and Mary, who we sung about today, the God of David, it is a God who is also, if he is your Savior, is the God of you who dwells within you, who gives you the same power because of the power of his Holy Spirit is indwelling in you and has put as much thought into you as he put into any of those heroes in scripture or any of the heroes that you have in your life that you would consider to be a spiritual hero. Here's the deal, God says you are special. In Psalm 139, we read this incredible Psalm of David speaking about who the God of the universe is and what he thinks about humanity. Before I get to the psalm, I want to tell you another story. When I was in sixth grade, uh, I went to a Christian school in Wheaton, Illinois. 
It's on the campus of Wheaton College. Great school. A lot of you maybe considered going there before you came here. And uh, for me, that experience was a miserable experience. Should have been amazing. But I was bullied uh, from about fourth grade through eighth grade at this Christian school. Like every day going to this school, I had anxiety in my life. I didn't know what that was called. I didn't know what it was. If my parents had taken me to a doctor, I'm sure I would have been put on some kind of a medication, but I hid it pretty well at home. I would get stomach aches every day before I'd go to school. I I was the butt of every joke. I was the person that, um, for whatever reason, uh, people just wanted to to, to hit me, and I would get hit regularly at school until I learned to hit back. I... I got to the point where in, in sixth grade, as a 12-year-old, I had decided I, I don't want to live anymore. And so as a sixth grade kid, I had a suicide plan. And my plan as a little 12-year-old, and some of you have 12-year-old brothers and sisters, I want you to remember what it was like to be 12. My plan as a 12-year-old was to go into my brother Mark's room. He had a 22 shotgun in his room. And I was determined that when I was all alone at home that year, I was going to take the gun and I was going to put it in my mouth and I was going to pull the trigger. And God gave me a gift instead. He gave me this like 64-year-old teacher who was a couple years away from retirement named Anita Bingham. Anita Bingham, uh, for the rest of my life, will be one of those spiritual heroes in my life. And while I was picked on mercilessly by my classmates, I had a teacher who kept telling me, Brian, you're special. Brian, God loves you. Brian, God cares so much about the sparrows which are here today and gone tomorrow. He cares so much more for you. She was the kind of teacher who'd make you do a bird report in sixth grade. And and then she'd say, okay, I want you to find the bird like in the Bible if the bird's there, but I want you to like think about the creative nature of God and making that bird. And then remember, God's made you even more special. And with that sixth grade class of 12-year-olds, she said, here's what we're going to do this year, knowing that a bunch of us were getting picked on. She says, I'm going to make you memorize a chapter of the Bible. Like, seriously? We got to memorize a whole? Yep, you're going to memorize an entire chapter. And so she took us to Psalm 139. And verses 13 to 18 of Psalm 139, I believe, are the verses that saved my life. And they're verses that speak about how special you are. And I want to read them to you today. You made all the delicate, and this is from the New Living Translation. This is what she had us memorize in. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. I know it full well. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me. You saw me before I was born. And you scheduled every day of my life before I began to breathe. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And I want you to listen to this last line. And when I awake, you are still with me. We can't escape the witness of God. We can't live a single day without the witness of God being our daily reality. But the problem is so many of us are distracted in so many different ways or we've believed the devil's lie that there's nothing about us that's special. And it's put this barricade between us and the God of the universe who says, listen, you are incredibly special and I've made you and I've put you here for such a time as this because I wanna use you in your generation. 
I want to use you to accomplish more than you could possibly imagine. I want you to understand, God says, how much thought I put in you. I know that David is using poetic language here in the Psalms, but this image of a God who would think about us so much that the thoughts of him toward you every day outnumber the sand of the shore is extraordinary. Think about the last time you were at a beach. See, when I was a little sixth grade kid, our family would go on vacation every year to the same place in Michigan, on Lake Michigan, to this beautiful, sandy, sugary, sandy beach. And, and, and even as a second and third grader, I'd always pick up a handful of that sand. And as a little kid, I was trying to like count how many grains of sand there are. It's impossible. It's impossible to do that in one handful. And to my little sixth grade understanding, I began to believe that if God could think about me that much every day, and not just the sand in a handful, but the sand on all the shores and all the beaches and all the world, then he must have something he wants to do in and through me. Listen, I don't, I don't know what your story is. I'd love to hear all your stories. I believe there's power in a story, and I believe everybody has one. We, we have a world right now that, yes, the world's changing. And yes, the number of people who are maybe involved in traditional church seems to be going down lower than higher right now. But God put you into that world. And he put you and your story into that world. He allowed you to grow at a time when skepticism toward the church and the hypocrisy of church leaders and the so many ways that the church has failed communities uh, is the world that you were born into. And you have an opportunity to rise up and say, you know what, that's horrible, but that's not Jesus. And that's not the Jesus that I know. And the Jesus I know is the one who, who, who loves you. And, and whether you are, you know, somebody who, who fits the mold of who so many churches are trying to attract, or you're the person who is as far from God as imaginable, that same God created both. And that same God loves both. And that same God has a plan for the one who is closest to him and the one who is farthest from him. And God has put you, University of Northwestern, here for such a time as this to be the person or the people who are going to reach those who are farthest from him. See, I'm convinced God wants to use stories. He used my story of suicide over the years thousands of times. When I was a youth pastor for 15 years, I, there, there was a week where I was in the Sister Kinney Institute of Abbott Northwestern Hospital here in the Twin Cities. On the seventh floor is a psych floor, and it's there for people who are suicidal and going through some difficult uh, uh, situations. And in one week's time, I was there three different days for three different students. I've spoken to, uh, for, for years, I spoke to every high school student who went to Minnetonka High School, Eden Prairie High School, and uh, Edina High School. You couldn't graduate from the health classes there without having me come in and tell my story of self-esteem and what God had done. And he gave me these bridge-building opportunities with students um, to, share, to share the story of the infinite worth and value that each one of them have. But a year ago, I was shopping at a grocery store, and I had this like 30-year-old run up to me, and they said, hey, you're Brian, aren't you? I said, yeah. He said, do you know who I am? I said, I have no idea who you are. They said, when I was a sophomore in high school, I was in your class at Edina High School, and I was suicidal, and you told your story, and today I'm alive because of that story. 
See, here's the deal, guys. God doesn't waste stories. He doesn't waste the difficulty. So again, if you're coming into this week and it's been the hardest week of your life, or if you're, 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 you're coming into this week and it's been the best week of your life, for those of you who are going through a hard time, I want you to hear that God is aware and he wants to use this week and he wants to use the difficulties to be a blessing in the lives of others. When some religious leaders came to Jesus and they said, hey, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment of them all in Matthew 22? Jesus said this, the greatest commandment is this, to love the Lord, what? Your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He says, and the second command is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. So I believe every follower of Jesus Christ has been called to love God. Every follower of Jesus Christ has also been called to love others. But did you see the little qualifier that Jesus gave at the end of the great commandment? He said, you love your neighbor as you love yourself. Our enemy has some of you so distracted and so forgetting the fact that God is with you and he is for you and that he loves you that you have been duped into believing that there's nothing that God can do to use me in my generation. It's right where he wants you. Instead, let's reorient that and say, no, God, there's something beautiful and special about me that you want to use in this generation for your glory that you created me in your image with infinite worth and value. and You wanna use my story, all of it, for your glory. See, we can't love our neighbors if we haven't learned to love ourselves. My strange little professor at the beginning of my college years was right. You're special, with infinite worth and value. God wants to use it. Before he left, Jesus gave a second command that was super important called the Great Commission. It's what I do at Wooddale, I'm the outreach pastor. My job is to help people who are outside of the church be, have bridges built to them to help introduce them to Jesus Christ. And by the way, most of those people are never gonna to come to Wooddale Church. We're gonna to have to go to where they are. And so often it's the story of what has been painful in your life that God uses. Every one of you have a story. In the Great Commission, God says, I want you to go into all the world and I want you to make disciples. So followers of Jesus are people who love God, they love others, and they make disciples. They, they've joined him on his mission. And so as we close up here today, I wanna, I wanna encourage you to live your life as somebody who says, okay, Jesus, if I really am somebody that was created by you with infinite worth and value, whether I'm a business major, a psych major, an education major, a ministry major, a missions major, God, would you use my story to tell your story in this generation? If we're gonna love others as ourselves, we gotta know their story. We gotta take time to invest in the stories of others that God is thinking of. We have gotta be people who say, God, use my story. So I wanna invite you to something as I close my time with you today. We've just really quickly brushed the surface, over the surface of the fact that you're special and created in the image of God and God wants to use your story to reach others. God wants to use your story to tell his story. Uh, every month, for the next three months, in February and March and in April, for the last two Sundays of those month, months, I'm gonna be teaching a course at our Eden Prairie campus at Wooddale Church. And it's a, it's a course on using your story to tell God's story. Here's the deal, our stories aren't static. So a lot of us, when we think about how, how am I gonna share my faith story, we're like, hey, when I was four years old, I prayed and asked Jesus to come into my heart. That's great, but that's probably not gonna be the story that God uses to draw somebody else into his kingdom. More than likely, it's gonna be a chapter in your story. 
where you saw, again, that same God that we sung about, his faithfulness show up in your life. You lost a grandparent and you're talking to somebody else who's just gone through loss. And that story of losing grandma or grandpa is gonna be something that God uses. You're talking to somebody who just lost their job and that period of life where your dad lost his job and your family was wondering how in the world are we gonna pay bills is a story that God wants to redeem. You're talking to somebody at the grocery store, you just happen to see somebody who's, 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 who's crying and you just kind of walk up to them because you feel like in partnership with the Holy Spirit who is with you that you're supposed to like do something and God uses a story of your past suicidal attempts to be something that God uses. See, here's the last thing I wanna tell you today. In the Great Commission, where God told us to go into all the world and to make disciples, he also said something about being with us. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely, this is what he says, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Some of you today need to experience the witness of God You've been saying, God, where are you? I'm praying and I feel like my prayers go get, get nowhere. Here's what I want to say to you. You'll experience the witness of God in a very, very, very tangible way when you join him on his mission of making more disciples. Thanks for letting me be here today, guys. It has been awesome to be with you.